In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. In just a few weeks, we are going to celebrate the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. Uh, that's Palm Sunday. And you might remember that when Jesus enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he's welcomed by the throngs of his disciples as the coming Davidic king. And he's welcomed with shouts of, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But we don't have to wait until Palm Sunday to hear those words. And we don't have to wait until the parousia, the second coming of Jesus, the second advent, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We don't have to wait until then. Today we have cause to celebrate. Today we have cause for joy. We're all running a little ragged today, I think. I know we had a time change. It's hard to adjust. Everybody's maybe a little grumpy. Still cold outside. We don't like that. We're excited about the warm-up, but still. And I know you probably had a hard, demanding week and a hard, demanding last few years. But here is the thing. If you and you are hearing this proclamation, it is a reminder that our Lord has promised to be among us today. To work through His Word today. Every time that we meet together in the divine service, it is a celebration. It is a celebration announcing the rule and reign of God in the person of Christ Jesus and His love for you and His overcoming of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of death, the kingdom of hell, the power of the devil and sin. By His grace, by His Holy Spirit, I would like us to rejoice and acknowledge Christ's presence among us this morning. I would like us to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It will help to wake us up. Ready? And I mean it. Let's say it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That puts things in perspective as to why we are here. I'm guessing not many of you woke up with that sentiment on your lips or in your heart, or fully considered it at least. You're not the only ones. You're not the only ones who maybe are a little grumpy and grousy at hearing the Word of the Lord. We have a Gospel lesson today that demonstrates that even though our Lord came to usher in the Kingdom of God, to gather God's people, to save people from their sin, He was often received with indifference, skepticism, even resentment. That is part of our problem too, like it or not. 
Have you ever felt indifference, skepticism, and resentment when someone is trying to do something for you that is loving, but that you might not necessarily think is what you want? So just a few days ago, and not too long ago, uh, I went to the dentist's office to get my teeth clean, and it's a Friday. There's a skeleton crew there, right? But there's a young boy who had an infected tooth, and the tooth had to come out, right? So they did it on a Friday when there weren't going to be as many people in the office because they anticipated what, what might happen. As you might imagine, the dentist's care and concern for the young boy was not received very well. In fact, his efforts were met with outbursts of rage and spite. Why do I have to do this? If you weren't awake, you are now. Why do I have to do this? I don't want to be here. And then the child eventually turned to something that was surprising. Maybe not. I hate you. I hate you. Get away from me. I wish I never had to come here. so sad that someone who had come in on his day off, gone out of his way to do a favor for a friend, to show care and concern, would be received in such a way. And, and I was talking to the lady who was uh, cleaning my teeth, and she said, yeah. And the other thing is, is not understanding what's going on. He might never want to go back to the dentist for the rest of his life, Right? So you see the problem. The little boy didn't have the context to realize what was truly happening, that he was being helped, right? All he could focus on was his immediate discomfort, right? He didn't understand that letting that infection fester would cause, potentially cause, well, it would cause worse problems and more pain. It could mean something even worse, and most likely would. This was a teachable moment, right? I hope it happened later. I hope, and I'm sure it did, that when the boy felt better, his father explained what the dentist did, why he did it. I'm sure there was all of that. But it's needed. And that leads me to ask you a question, okay? It's a time change, right? It's a little bit more, your body's kind of like, ah, not quite ready. Right? It's cold. Again, it's demanding. So why are we gathered here today? We are gathered here today because God has gathered us together. He has gathered us together through His Word and Spirit so that we might receive His love in Christ, right? Jesus Himself comes to forgive our sins and grant us cleansed hearts 
and renewed, and renewed minds by His Word and Spirit. So that with our whole person, we can say, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And blessed are we who are blessed by His coming. But you know as well as I do that our hearts are not always in it. Indifferent, apathetic, resentful. That's because our old Adam hates God's Word. Hates it. Hates it. That's because our old Adam detests the rule and reign of Christ Jesus in us so that we receive His Holy Word, believe it, and live holy lives according to it. Just like the boy in the dentist chair, we come infected. Infected by sin with the malady that has harmed and corrupted us to the very core. And when Jesus comes up, To kill the old Adam and raise the new person to life again, our old Adam screams, I hate you. Why do I have to do this? Why can't I just engage myself in endless distraction? Live with my infection. Live in my infection. Delve into the flesh. Amuse myself to death. Do what I want to do. Do what the world is doing. That's what the old Adam really wants. And it's a malady that has a precedent in the Bible, as you well know. People turn away from God, the one who loves them the most, the one who can help them the most, the one who has saved them, only to turn away and find confidence and comfort in things that might be amusing, but that don't give eternal life. God's Word, through that Word, God lovingly, alright, I want to use that Word, and I want you to hear it, lovingly calls sinners to repentance. Calls sinners out of darkness into light, out of death into life. But that loving activity is not always received well. In today's reading, we have another bout, another episode, another go-around with the Pharisees. And Jesus had just finished talking about Himself as the narrow door. The only way to salvation. And I'm sure the Pharisees could not bear those words. And so now the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're telling Him that oh, Herod's planning to kill you. Maybe Herod was. But I, I think it's just an excuse to kind of say, get out of here. The Pharisees know they can't outsmart Jesus, so they're just trying to get rid of Him. They know they don't know the Scriptures as well. Sinful hearts, secure in their sin, right? Secure in their sin, embracing their evil, not thinking that they have anything wrong with them. I know it all already, right? 
I know it all already. I don't need it. They don't want to hear about repentance. They don't want to hear about God's forgiveness in Christ. They want something that's going to make them feel better about themselves, right? To be exalted. They don't want to receive the care and love that Jesus Christ can provide to sick people who are corrupted by sin. They don't want it. They don't want to gather at His feet and listen to His words. They just want Jesus to go away or remove themselves. But each and every opportunity, Jesus will not stop. Each and every time they gather with objections, Jesus will still give them God's Word. Because He loves them. But the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes are not willing. And so they plot and plan to not only just kind of get Jesus to go away, but to murder Him. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus laments, the city that kills the prophets and stones those whom God sends to them. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hand gathers her brood under her wings? You were not willing. Do you understand what's happening? God doesn't want His people to languish in sin. Time and again, He sends messengers to proclaim repentance. A turning away from sin and a turning toward God. Repent. Believe the Gospel. But what happens? The recipients often behave in ways that are truly detestable. They don't not only reject the message, they kill the messenger. For what? All for tr trying to gather God's people out of the snare again of sin, death, and the power of the devil. All for speaking the truth and love and the power of God's Word so that they might be forgiven, restored, renewed, led by the Spirit of God, walking in His ways and rejoicing in His perfect love. Gathering people through God's Word is what Jesus did during His earthly ministry. And it's what He continues to do now through His church. Right? Commanded His church to do Word and sacrament. Baptize. Celebrate the Lord's Supper. Teach people to obey everything I have commanded you. And then there's the promise, I will be with you always to the end of the age, until my return, until the parousia. And in today's lesson, he compares a hen who gathers her chicks under her wings. That's a good picture. I found out something interesting. I, I confirmed it with some people yesterday because I'm not a farm kid. So um, when I read something on the Internet about any, anything that has to do with any kind of semblance of farming, I have to confirm it, right? So I needed to ask about hens. Hens don't use their wings to fly away 
when there's a predator. Right? And they got chicks and there's a predator. They don't use their wings to fly away, to retreat. They use their wings to cover up their chicks. The hen doesn't leave the chick, right? The hen covers the chicks, puts herself in between the predator and the chicks. Using both wings and beak to fight off the attack. She'd rather die. She'd rather die for her children than be concerned for her own safety. That's your Lord. He'd rather die for you than run and retreat. That's what your Lord did for you. He gathers together God's people, calling them by God's word and placing him in the safety of his refuge. Jesus puts himself between mankind and sin. Jesus puts Himself between mankind and death. Jesus puts Himself between mankind and the devil. Jesus puts Himself in between mankind and the wrath of God, the justice of God, the demand for a sacrifice for sin. He didn't flee. He didn't run. He gave His life. It's how He showed His love. The hen for the chicks. The shepherd for the sheep. The creator for the creature. The perfect God-man for fallible and corrupted sinners. God's love wrapped in flesh for those who without the Spirit of God and even with the Spirit of God um, at times hate, hate God's love for them and how He demonstrates He loves them. So I had to ask about this because I read it on the internet. You know, you can trust everything you read. And I found out this is true. What a hen does when a predator approaches, alright, I I didn't know what, what, what she did. She doesn't run around like a chicken with its head cut off, doesn't do that. She squats down, spreads her wings, and begins to call the brood, right? Call the brood. By virtue of your baptism, by virtue of the gift of the Holy Spirit received in that baptism, and by the gift of the Holy Spirit that continues through uh, God's gifts, word and sacrament, the Lord enables you to know what Christ's Law and gospel means for your life. God opens your heart so that you might agree that God has to, what God has to say about you, that you are a sinner, you're in need of forgiveness, and that the only forgiveness that can be found that is of a efficable solution is God's love in Christ. That's the only place we can take refuge from those dark powers that I mentioned. Those evil powers set to devour us. Those predators. God's Word calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is that Word that awakens us out of our 
selfish, sinful pursuit of gain. Always about me and my amusement. Always about me and my what I what my old Adam wants to do. It, it, it helps us to see that we don't gather here today. We don't come here to grovel and to appease God. If I come here, uh, then you'll bless my week or something like that. You know, if this, then that. But it isn't. We come because God is here and His promise to love us. To bring us under the wings of the Savior by His Word and Spirit. Jesus longs to gather us and our children. Let's not forget them. Are we willing? Are we willing to receive God's radical love in Christ Jesus? Well, maybe not every Sunday. Maybe not on a Sunday like today where it's like, all right, come on. We can't do it without the Word. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. When we remove ourselves from the means of grace, we lose sight of the Word and we look at the world and even Christ's disciples deny Him, desert Him, doubt Him, sometimes resent Him, Right? Don't gladly hear the Word of God. Don't hold it sacred. We need to gather around the Word because the Word works wonders. The Word creates and sustains our faith. It conforms, it informs. It kills and brings to life. It accomplishes God's purpose for us. It accomplishes God's purpose in us. It is spirit-laden. It leads us to come this morning, cast the cold aside, shrug off the time change, and to say, there's something better and greater going on here. <laughs> it's like a Palm Sunday. We don't see Jesus, but He's here. Our Lord is here. Jesus is here. Thanks be to God. He's gathering us together under the shadow of His wings. He's fighting off the power of sin, death, and the devil for you. He's placing Himself between those dark powers that would lure you away from Him out into the open. He's pouring out God's forgiveness. He's giving us refuge, protection, life right now through His Word. By His power, He is working wonders. By His powers, He is destroying and casting aside the I hate you's. The I don't have times. The church doesn't matters. The why do I have to do this? With a hungering and a dependence and a rejoicing and a longing to receive God's love in Christ. To gather us together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings.
We were not willing. We are not willing. He has made us willing. Like a mother hand, but so much more, Jesus has opened His arms to you and He calls you by the Gospel. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for Your love to us. Blessed is He. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And even more so, blessed are we because of Him, our Lord, God for us and God with us, now and always. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.